TGI Friday. <laughs> That's Mr. TGI Friday to you. Oh, boy. Well, we got through another one. We're headed on our way to who knows where. You know, I think of the Emerson, Lake, and Palmer song. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. <laughs> That seems to be where we are. Okay, listen, I've got a couple of things that I want to square up for the uh, today and the weekend. And then I have something really cool that came up on Astro Twitter yesterday that I want to share with you. This is amazing. All right, so first of all, today the moon moves into Aquarius this morning, 8.16 a.m. Did you catch it in the sky up there conjunct with Jupiter and Pluto? That was a cool sight to see the moon up in the sky at exactly the same place where all the action is happening. And I guess you could say we got through relatively unscathed as the moon, the trigger point, was playing in the sandbox of the big three of Jupiter, Pluto, and Saturn for the last couple of days. This would be where the sound effect of the collective sigh would come in, if we had one. (laughs) All right, so moon into Aquarius. Don't tell me what to do for the next couple of days over the weekend. Venus trines Saturn tomorrow on Saturday. That's uh, the last aspect of Venus to the big three as well. So we're going to kind of leave these guys alone, I guess, here for a little bit. Then on Sunday, the sun conjuncts Mercury at 2.22 p.m. Those of you who like sequential numbers, 2.22 p.m., sun conjuncting Mercury, that is retrograde Mercury. That is Sunday. And the moon moves into Pisces Sunday night. So that pretty well sets up your weekend. Structurally, not much changes in this chart. We're still dominated by the Mars big three square. And by big three, you know, I mean that Jupiter, Pluto, and Saturn, two of whom you can see up in the sky at night in the northern hemisphere, up in the southern sky, still there. And then we've been, we're just moving off of the other side of the chart where the sun has been squaring those same big three. Sun is moving off of that square aspect, and at least by election day will not be in a sextile aspect to the big three yet. So we're kind of in between on that. And that brings me to the other thing where I've been of late. I have, number one, had a busy week. Number two, still been a little bit, well, I've been getting my sea legs back under me after the thing last week. But every time I look at the chart, I can't look at the micro. I'm looking at the macro or thinking about the macro. It's almost like these little nuances that we talk about every day here are being engulfed or swallowed up by the bigger picture. And there are two things I'd like to bring to your attention on the bigger picture horizon. One I mentioned or teased yesterday by saying, if you could go back in your mind and think of the last presidential election where Mercury went from retrograde to direct on election day, because that's what's going to happen this time. So if we look back in history, when the last time that was... Could you think of when that might be? Now, if you put a little bit of thought to it, you think about what happens to our technology, you know, our phone and our computers and stuff during a Mercury retrograde. I mean, you know, stereotypically. It doesn't always happen, but what's the, what's the idea? That it screws up, right? That it breaks or that it doesn't work right. Can you think of an election that didn't work right? 
How about 2000, Bush Gore? That was on November 7th of that year. And at about 9.30 that evening, Mercury turned direct. How's that for something to look forward to? Uh, One of the things that I'm putting together as a fresh look at the things that I've already done. I have in the Soul Food Talks website, soulfoodtalks.com, freebies box. If you go in there, I have an election and uh, inauguration day analysis. You can download that. It's free. And what I might do is actually even put this new one in there with that one. So those of you who have subscribed to that already can just go in. But I'm looking at putting another one together. I had a busy week this week, and I just have not formulated and crystallized my thoughts yet. But with, you know, energy changes, right? And this is what I say is we look at these astrological principles as energetic flow or energetic direction. But we have choice, and human consciousness always steers the ship. That's collective and that's individual. So while nothing changes in the chart up to Election Day... I do think it's worth revisiting from a from a collective consciousness standpoint. What ha- because that has definitely changed. So if I get time to do that over the weekend, I will. But I wanted to point you to something that is really really cool. This came up on Twitter yesterday. There's a community of astrologers on Twitter. It's called Astro Twitter. If you use the hashtag, but one of the people that posts regularly who you need to follow if you want to look at astrology on Twitter is S.J. Anderson. His handle is at S.J. Anderson 144. Yesterday, on October 22nd, he had a post that is worth reading. If you have a Twitter account, I would highly suggest you log on there, find him, follow him, and then take a look at this post where he says, an extremely rare and symbolically potent astrological configuration happens for two and a half days beginning on November 4th, 2020. See, this is why the big picture has been drawing me in, because, boy, we are really kind of releasing, I I think, releasing the controls from the day-to-day to the big picture. And a big part of the big picture is November 3rd. We have other pieces in there when Jupiter conjuncts Pluto and when Mars squares Saturn and when Jupiter conjuncts Saturn. All of that's ahead. And then Saturn, of course, squaring Uranus. All of that's ahead of us. But this one, this piece that S.J. Anderson announced yesterday is brilliant. And what it is is that the rulers of each cardinal sign will be present in their sign for two and a half days. All right, let's pick this apart. What's he talking about? Well, let's go back to the beginning of the zodiacal order. Our tropical western zodiac begins with the spring equinox. That's Aries, and that's the first house. And for those of you not familiar with this, if you want to lock it into your brain, the best way to think about it is then just follow the season changes. Now, this is, of course, geared or stated from a northern hemisphere perspective, but summer solstice is Cancer, and then Libra is the fall equinox, and Capricorn is the winter solstice. So those four represented houses on the chart, the first, the fourth, the seventh, and the tenth are what you call angular houses. Those are the ones that are correlated to those four signs. And those four signs and the corresponding houses 
are called the cardinal qualities. For the sake of time, you can study that. Google is very friendly to that if you want to study the astrological qualities. But basically, the cardinal qualities get things going, just like a solstice or an equinox gets the season going. Think of it that way. Well, what's the ruler of Aries? Mars, right? What's the ruler of Cancer? The moon. Ooh, the fast-moving moon. Hmm, tuck that away. What's the ruler of Libra? Venus. What's the ruler of Capricorn? Saturn. So think about the construction of this. You have two fairly fast-moving planets, Mars and Venus, right? You have a really fast, you know, scooter on roller skates, moon. And then you have slow and methodical 28 and a half years to go all the way around the zodiacal chart, Saturn. What SJ is saying is that on November 4th and for two and a half days, now that should be a trigger in your mind right there that the moon is involved, that all four of those bodies will be in their own signs for the two and a half days that the moon is in Cancer. So Mars is in Aries, right? The moon will be in Cancer. Venus will have ingressed into Libra and be in Libra. And Saturn is in Capricorn. Well, now here's the amazing thing. How often does this happen? Not very. <laughs> you would think, well, the just roll of the dice, random luck that those four would end up in. Well, I mean, you got to wait 30 years for Saturn, right? Almost. So think about this. It has only happened 33 times in most astrological databases, ephemerises, or roughly every about 300 years. Now, got your attention? And the last two times this happened, let's walk backwards, 1783 and 1578. Now, remember, one of our two Saturn-Pluto conjunctions is the year 1518. So you have 1518 and then 1578, 60 years apart. Well, we're having it in the same year. Saturn-Pluto in January, now November, this great cardinal turning. So in the year, in the 1500s, it took 60 years to get there. Time is definitely compressed on this scale, folks. We've been talking about that, too. All right, I'm going to leave it off there just for the sake of time because I've already gone minutes past what I would normally do. But uh, go to his post and you'll see the conclusions of that, what happened in 1578 and in 1783. And especially what you're going to see is a revolutionary change also accompanied by a shadow side of humanity. And that's such a perfect description exactly what's going on on the macro wow that'll give you something to think about and if you don't have a twitter account you know somebody who does go to theirs and look sj up and follow have your friend follow him (laughs) so get something out of it he's a great poster in astrology and sj if you catch this a big salute to you sir for that it was brilliant have a great weekend everybody take care sorry this was so long i'm gone miller out